Dankeschön. Well, thank you. It is so good to be here with all of you. Uh, this has been a long time in the waiting. I don't think any of us anticipated what uh, the virus would do in terms of timing and all of that, but uh, it is so good to be with all of you. If I was living in the Old West, I might be a little nervous because you're all wearing masks, but uh, these are, you know, these are current days. So um, I want to take just a, a minute, if I could, to introduce my family. And many of you met them as you came in, but my wife, Christy, is here. And then two of my three girls are here. My youngest daughter, Megan, and my middle daughter, Elisa, are here. My oldest daughter, Rebecca is in uh, Washington State and she starts a new job tomorrow. So could not be here with us, but so excited that uh, my two girls could join and be with us. And uh, we're so glad to be here with all of you. And we just want to say thank you to the search team and to you as a church family for this opportunity to, to be here, to candidate for this position. And we are joining you in prayer that the Lord will lead all of us in what he wants us to do. So I'm going to say just a brief prayer and then uh, uh, head right into the message time this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for our opportunity to be here, to gather. Uh, we had been apart for a number of months, and now for this church family to be able to come back together over these last couple of weeks, uh, we realize what a gift this really is. And so our time together uh, is treasured. And Lord, I pray that as we sang just a few minutes ago in the song, uh, we sang, uh, Father, reveal your heart to me. And Lord, I pray that as we open up uh, the scriptures today and look at this fourth commandment on the Sabbath, uh, that you would reveal your heart to us and that we would see your heart behind the commandment and that we would be changed by that and encouraged by it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't think it would take much time this morning for me to convince all of you that we live in a frenzied and frantic culture. For most people, the slower pace that we've experienced while staying at home for the last three months or so has been a jolting contrast to the feverish pace that we have been so accustomed to for so long. Busyness has almost become a badge of honor, hasn't it? Such that to not be busy almost begins to feel a little embarrassing. Maybe, maybe we're even a little ashamed to admit it when we're not busy. Ask a person how life is going these days and the most common answer will be busy. Tell a person you've missed them or uh, missed visiting with them or seeing with them and almost without fail, they will first apologize and then begin to tell you how busy they've been. We live overloaded and hectic lives. Busyness has even created its own market niche. Have you noticed? Comes with day planners, smartphone apps, websites, seminars, software, books, and newsletters, all designed to help a person get a handle on their busyness and try to bring it under control. But for all of the dollars we spend, Busyness has grown to become a pandemic of its own, really. Now, technology has always promised to make our lives easier, hasn't it? 
But computers, tablets, smartphones, email, texting, social media, they're only increasing the pace of our life. They're not really helping us slow down much. Laptops and tablets allow us to work on the go, and cell phones mean that the boss can get hold of us whenever he or she wants to, wherever we are. From transportation to communication, from production to entertainment, the benefits of technology really don't seem to be helping us slow down all that much, and they come with a cost. If I were to ask you to come up with a few words that would describe your life, the pace of your life, the, the, the busyness of your life prior to COVID, what words might have come to your mind? I wonder if you would have described your life with words like peaceful, relaxed, calm, well-rested. Or maybe you would have found yourself using words like, I'm overloaded, I'm overscheduled, I'm exhausted, I'm anxious, I'm stressed. Most, most people I know were racing through life, and the truth is many of them were about five minutes from collapse. They were just exhausted. Jerome Daly, in his book Soul Space, says that so often there is a gap between the fulfilling life that we long for and the frenzied life that we lead. And that's true, isn't it? There's this gap that we experience. Many of us have lived in this frenzied life for so long that any hope of attaining or living in or even enjoying the fulfilled life has long since been abandoned. And in some ways, it's taken a global pandemic to force us to slow down and face the frenzy of our life. But is a frenzied, restless life our only option? Is the fulfilling life just an incredible ideal that's out there and it taunts and it teases us in the middle of our exhaustion, kind of dangling out in front of us like a carrot on a stick? Is that, is that what it is? I don't know if you've thought about this a whole lot, but part of the dilemma of overload that you and I face is that we are overloaded in so many different facets of our lives at the same time. It's not that just we're busy in an area of our life, it's that so many areas of our life are busy at the same time. Richard Swenson, in his book, Margin, writes that the average person faces an overload of activity and commitment and choice, an overload of debt and possessions and expectations, an overload of problems, work, and noise, an overload of media, information, and technology, and his list just goes on from there. I'm already tired just reading that to you. But the truth is we are such busy people. And it feels like we have no spare time or our spare time is rapidly decreasing. We are tyrannized with the urgent to the neglect of the important. And yet, and yet, we were created by God to live with certain rhythms, rhythms that would keep us balanced and energized and focused. But too often, unfortunately, we have forsaken those rhythms to pursue whatever feels urgent in the moment or to pursue whatever we happen to be craving at that time. 
And the result is we are becoming a discouraged people, an exhausted people, and a people governed more by our appetites than by our priorities. Did you know that in the Chinese language, the symbol for busy is made up of two characters, the character for killing and the character for heart. In Chinese, busyness is the killing of the heart. How true is that? And what I want to encourage you with this morning is that you weren't made for that. You weren't made for that. Today we're going to take a look at the fourth of the Ten Commandments. I had the joy of preaching through the Ten Commandments three years ago with something that I had wanted to do for a long time and hoped to be able to do again. But at that season of my life, busyness and Sabbath rest were dominant issues. The pace of my life in ministry had increased to the point of being unsustainable. So this topic and this sermon became deeply meaningful to me. But I also believe this topic and sermon are timely for us this morning. Certainly for Christy and I, as we consider a new, this new ministry opportunity, this topic is very relevant for our family. And as the COVID shutdown begins to lift, each of us will begin to face choices about how fast we allow our pace of life to become in the months and years ahead. We're going to have some choices again in, uh, in the days ahead. So I think a refresher on the Sabbath could be helpful for all of us. The fourth commandment is found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. So if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 11. I'm going to give you just a moment to turn in your Bibles there if you have them. And then I will read this passage out loud for us. All right, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, reads like this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in the six days... For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now if you were to do a quick scan through the list of the Ten Commandments right there in that chapter, you would find that this commandment is actually the longest of the commandments. And notice the layout of these uh, these four verses. Verse 8 tells us what the command is. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's the command. Verses 9 and 10 go on to tell us how we keep the command. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, male servant, female servant, livestock, or the sojourner within your gates. 
And then verse 11 gives us the reason for the command. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. And that first word, the word remember, that first word involves more than just our memories. The call to remember demands the total engagement of our whole person in the service to the Lord. Think of it like this. Remembering the Sabbath is like remembering your anniversary. Remembering our anniversary is not about making sure we remember the date on which we got married, right? Rather, remembering your anniversary is about celebrating the day, making it a special day so it's not just an ordinary day like every other. And that's the idea here with remembering the Sabbath. We are to celebrate the Sabbath. We make it special, make it different from the other days. That's the idea of remembering the Sabbath. Now, to help us dig into this just a little bit further, I'm going to structure my message this morning around four questions that we'll ask and answer, and those are on uh, the back of your bulletin. Four questions. And the first question is simply this. What is the Sabbath? What is the Sabbath? Some of you might be new to this discussion, and so I think it could be helpful if we start here and just give kind of a, a background, some foundational ideas. The Sabbath is a weekly rhythm of one day of rest following six days of work. This rhythm was designed right into the very fabric of creation. God himself modeled for us this rhythm of work and rest. Listen for me, listen as I read for you uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in the, all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all of the work of creating that he had done. You see, this rhythm of work and rest is rooted right in the opening days of creation. God worked for six days and then rested on the seventh day. And in resting from his work, he established the Sabbath, a day of rest after six days of work. And he did this not because he was tired. It wasn't like he needed to take a nap, and so he set aside the seventh day. And he doesn't get tired. The book of Isaiah reminds us that God never grows weary or tired. But rather, the Lord did this so that he could establish from the very beginning a pattern to work and rest that we could follow. He wanted to set an example for us. So to observe the Sabbath, we are to cease from the work that has been the focus of our lives for the previous six days. The ordinary routines of life are to be suspended, not as an occasion for laziness, but in order that we might rest and reflect upon God and his goodness, that we might participate with his people in worship, just as we're doing this morning, and that we might pursue opportunities to do good to others. It's a day of rest, a day to 
to uh, do relaxing things. So when we speak of the Sabbath, remembering the Sabbath, that's what we mean. The second question is, well, why did God give us the Sabbath? Why did he give his people a Sabbath rest? I think this question is important for us to spend just a moment or two on, because in some people's minds, the Sabbath has kind of this negative, confining, restrictive feel to it. I know it certainly did when we were kids growing up, and uh, my parents said, you know, it's the Sabbath, so we're not going to do any work. It felt like we just had to sit around all day and do nothing. And so there's, uh, there are people who have, come, who have grown up kind of having this negative, uh, feeling like the Sabbath has kind of this restrictive feel to it. What was intended to be sweet relief has been distorted into kind of a severe restriction. But I want to show you this morning that the Sabbath is actually meant to be a gift to us from a loving God. So why did he command the Sabbath? I think there are a couple of reasons. Let me give you two of them. First of all, each of the Ten Commandments is meant to reveal something about God's character. And the Sabbath is no exception. When God gave Israel these commands, he was revealing himself to them so that his people would come to know him better and grow to love him more. Remember at that time, the Israelites had just been released from 400 years of slavery. 400 years in slavery. By comparison, our country yesterday celebrated 244 years of independence. And look how accustomed we have come become to independence, right? Israel had just been released from 400 years of slavery. Their Egyptian taskmasters had driven them like animals to work hard all day, every day. No days off, no weekends, no sick days, no vacations, no holidays, and certainly no Independence Day. From very early in the morning to very late at night, they were forced to work day after day, week after week, generation after generation for 400 years. This was life as they knew it. So when God brought his people out of Egypt and out of slavery, he wanted to show the Israelites that he was not like their evil taskmasters who would drive his people to work and work and work. He's not like the Egyptian slave drivers who would treat them like animals. So God gave them a Sabbath. It was a gift. He wanted to provide for his people one full day of rest every week. God wants his people then, wanted his people then, and wants his people today to see that he is good and kind and compassionate. God loves his people. He loves you. He understands our physical limitations, and he'll always do what is best for us. So he gives us the Sabbath as a gift. After six days of work, God says to his people, just rest. Take a day to be refreshed to simply enjoy the day that he has given. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The second reason I think the Lord commanded the Sabbath 
uh, was to remind us that our, ulti- that our ultimate value as people is not found in what we do. It's found in who he made us to be. I remember somebody years ago using the phrase, we are not human doings, we are human beings. God has designed each one of us with skills and talents. Some things we, some of those we were born with, others we have learned along the way. And then God has graciously given us work to do. And work is a noble and honorable and fulfilling responsibility from the Lord. But the Sabbath reminds us that our value doesn't come from our work. So after six days of honest work, stop and rest. There is more to you than just work and productivity. You are made in the image of God and your worth is defined by who made you and by what he paid to redeem you. That's where your worth comes from. You don't have to work to prove your worth and your work does not increase or decrease your worth in God's eyes. And I think that reminder was important for the Israelites just as they were coming out of slavery where all that mattered was their productivity. That's all that mattered when they were in slavery. And I think it's important for us too because we live in a culture that puts a very high premium on performance and productivity. And this is why God has given us the Sabbath. Not to restrict us, not to confine us, but to remind us that he is good and that we are worth more than our work. The third question uh, on your outline comes from my belief that there is a deeper issue behind each of the Ten Commandments. There is a subtle, quieter truth that undergirds each of the Ten Commandments. And so my third question this morning is, what's the deeper issue behind this commandment? What's the deeper issue behind the Sabbath? And I believe the answer to that question is, we must be humble enough to trust God. Behind the Sabbath is a humility that's willing to trust God. At the root of the Sabbath lies a deep-seated humility, the humble recognition that the world is not dependent on me and the humble acceptance that I cannot do it all, that I am not supposed to do it all, that God is God and I am not, that God is in control of all things and he is faithful and he is dependable and we must be humble enough to rely on his power to hold things together. We don't rely on our efforts. The Sabbath reminds us of that humility. Friends, think about this from the other direction, if you would. At the heart of frantic busyness lies an incredible arrogance. One author said it this way, to act as if the world cannot get along without me for one day in seven is a startling display of pride that denies the power of my maker. Isn't that good? I'll I'll say that again. I think that's really good. To act as if the world cannot get along without me for one day in seven is a startling display of pride that denies the power of my maker. God's people 
We, as God's people, we learn to see the Sabbath as a gift and we receive it with joy and we relax because we humbly accept that the world will keep on spinning just fine without me for one day each week. The world will be just fine. The fourth and final question for us this morning as we think about the Sabbath and how to remember it is how does observing the Sabbath help us? How does observing the Sabbath help us? I think there are several benefits. Uh, for today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to identify three. The first is that observing, ob observing the Sabbath restores us to God's original rhythm and design. It restores us to God's original rhythm and design. When God created us in his image, he designed us to operate with certain physical rhythms. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. In our bodies, there are biological rhythms that ebb and flow with the 24-hour cycle of a day. So when we get up in the morning, hormones and neurotransmitters jump into action. They speed up our heart rate and they raise our body temperature and they adjust our breathing. We start to get hungry and our body prepares to face the day in front of us. At night, a different set of hormones is produced to govern our sleeping hours. Those hormones help us to relax and they slow our heart rate and they reduce our breathing and they quiet our mental activity and they help our bodies to relax and it helps us to prepare to fall asleep. And these rhythms repeat themselves every single day, day after day after day. And that's just one of the physical rhythms that make up our physical body. But rhythms don't occur only in our bodies. God has designed rhythm into every aspect of the world around us. Rhythm is deeply rooted in creation. By God's design, our days and nights follow a rhythm. The seasons follow a rhythm. Agriculture follows a rhythm. The migration and mating activities of wildlife have rhythms. The movement of stars and planets have rhythm. Creation is replete with rhythm. It is everywhere. And when we follow the fourth commandment and remember the Sabbath, we realign ourselves with this basic rhythm that God has designed into creation and then modeled for us from the beginning. And so it is to our advantage to put ourselves back in sync with the rhythm that God has created. And let me add this one thought for you this morning. I think it's important for us to prioritize the Sabbath into our weekly routine even writing it into our calendar if we have to, so that we protect it. Old patterns and familiar routines are relentless enemies whenever you want to create a new priority in your life. Isn't that true? Don't we experience that whenever we try to change our eating habits or we're going to start exercising more regularly, something like that, right? Then all of a sudden the old familiar routines become our enemy. The new routines, they're a little bit uncomfortable, they don't feel quite so automatic. We're still trying to figure that out. We have to work a little bit harder at it. We have to think about it a little bit more. And because of, it takes a little extra work to do something new, too often the new gets tossed out 
because the old is just easier. It's familiar. It's comfortable. So if you want to establish the Sabbath as a priority, you're going to need to be intentional about protecting it. Because here's a basic truth about the way life works. Basic truth. If we are not guided by internal priorities, we will be driven by external pressures. If we're not guided by internal priorities, we will be driven by external pressures. And the Ten Commandments, not just the fourth one, but all ten of them, help us to form internal priorities. They, they're grounded in these core truths about who God is so that we can grow and learn to respond wisely to the external pressures that are certain to come. So the fourth commandment acknowledges that pressure will come and we will feel that pressure to want to work ourselves to exhaustion. That, that pressure will be there. But if we choose it, it will leave us with burned out bodies, broken relationships, and a fragile faith. But our compassionate and loving God has given us the Sabbath as a gift so that we can live with rested bodies and healthy relationships and a vibrant faith. But to experience those, we need to set the priorities firmly and then protect them fiercely. The second benefit from observing the Sabbath is, is simply that it allows us to rest. The benefit of rest is a benefit all by itself. Taking a break from the normal work that we do each day is good. We need a break physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. A Sabbath rest doesn't mean we can't do any activity. That's what I thought it meant when I was a kid. It doesn't mean that we can't do any activity. It simply means to stop working on the things you work on on the other six days. The word Sabbath comes from the word Shabbat, and it means cease and desist. The idea is to take a break from the ordinary things that consume your time and energy. And here's the key. Spend some time enjoying the activities that re-energize you, that restore your love for life, that recreate passion in you. Activities that bring you deep and satisfying joy. On a Sabbath day, you might take a nap, read a book, go for a walk, ride your bike, go hiking, enjoy a picnic, tend your garden, play with your kids, go to the park, go fishing, play a round of golf, do your favorite craft, enjoy a hobby that there just never seems to be enough time to enjoy. Try something new that you've never done before. Enjoy your favorite food. Do whatever it is that you really enjoy doing. And that's going to be different for each one of us. But, but, here's the thing. As you do those activities, be present in those moments. Deeply enjoy the activity and who you're doing it with. And as you take your one day of rest, you will, your energy will replenish, your mind will begin to clear, your joy will increase, and the net effect of all of that is you will re-engage with work and relationships, with renewed passion and creativity, and you'll face life's challenges with a clearer mind, 
and fresh perspective. This one day of rest can have tremendous impact on the other six days of the week. The third and final benefit that I'll identify for you this morning is just is this, that observing the Sabbath gives us time to reflect on God's goodness and worship him. Gives us time to reflect on God's goodness and worship him. So as you are doing these activities that you enjoy, reflect on the goodness of God and let your worship of him flow freely and spontaneously. Make God the center of your day. Give him priority. Begin the day by joining God's people in worship like we're doing this morning. Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not neglect the gathering together of God's people. And then during the rest of the day, enjoy God's creation and relationships and activities, periodically pausing to thank, worship him and thank him. And if we give ourselves unrushed time, we will discover that there is so much that we can be thanking him for and worshiping him for. We'll find that we can worship him for all that he is, for all that he has revealed himself to be in scripture, worship him for all that he has made, for all that he has given, for all that he has redeemed us from, for all that he's promised, for all that he's doing, for all that is waiting in front of you in the days ahead. We can let the quiet and relaxing activities of our day of rest cultivate in us, let it cultivate in us a thankful and worshipful spirit. And that's going to spill over onto the people around you. The fourth commandment in closing, the fourth commandment calls us to observe the Sabbath day of rest each week. And friends, this is a good gift from a good God given to us for our good. If the invitation to rest feels like a burdensome restriction, I would urge you to talk about that with the Lord, maybe some close friends. The Sabbath is not meant to confine you. It is meant to unleash you, to re-energize you and to focus you. And it's meant to remind us that while God is our master, he is not a taskmaster. He is good, and he'll always do what's best for his people. So remember the Sabbath and celebrate it. Make it special. Prioritize it, and then protect that priority. It will restore God's original design and rhythm. You will experience rest, renewed relationships, and a peaceful spirit of thankfulness and worship. Let's pray, and then the worship team is going to come and close our service. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fourth commandment. I know growing up that was, uh, that felt restrictive to me. But now as an adult, I see how good you are in giving that to us. A day of rest. Lord, I pray that uh, as we understand your heart behind the commandment, as you reveal your heart us. God, I pray that we would be moved by that. I pray that we'd be inspired by that. Uh, and God, I pray that uh, we would begin to take whatever steps we need to so that we can begin to fully engage and enjoy and experience the Sabbath as you have given it to us. 
And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.